Blog Talk Radio. Black Politics Today. An eye for what's at stake in global politics and your source for the social, economic, and political impact of public policy on the African-American community. Your host, Kelly Michael Williams, is a political strategy veteran with an undefeated campaign record and the political experience that spans nearly three decades, from Mayor Willie Brown in California to President Barack Obama in our nation's capital. So get ready for a fresh and honest approach on the politics that affect you and your family the most. Now, your host, Kelly Michael Williams. One day, when the glory comes, it will be out, it will be out. Oh, one day, when the war is won, we will be sure. the heavens, no man, no weapon, formed against, yes, glory is destined, everyday women and men become legends, sins that go against our skin become blessings, the movement is a rhythm to us, freedom is like religion to us, justice is juxtaposition in us, justice for all just ain't specific enough, one son died, the spirit is revisiting us, true and living, living in us, resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up When it goes down, we woman and man up They say stay down and we stand up Shots, we on the ground, the camera panned up King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up One day, when the glory comes It will be out, it will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no. Glory, glory, oh, glory, glory. One day, one day, one day, one day we'll have glory. One day we'll be able to sing that song, Glory. One day we'll be able to... Speak it just as John Legend and Common Sand will walk in glory, will have glory. Welcome to the broadcast, everyone. I'm your host, Kelly Michael Williams, and uh, I want to thank you for joining us for another broadcast of What's at Stake right here on Black Politics Today. And as I do with every broadcast, I always pause and thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just for allowing us to host this show, to be able to reach out across the country and and, and find folks that... Uh, uh, have a, a word, have a message, have a, a platform and a purpose for what they're doing uh, out there to help African-Americans across this country do better, be better, and uh, and become better uh, in any and everything they're doing, socially, economically, and politically. So I just say thank you because I recognize and realize that the people I contact, people I call, people I reach out to, they don't have to take time out of their schedule on a Monday night to come on this broadcast to help educate, empower, and help us understand exactly what's at stake for us socially, economically, and politically. So I'm always 
always humbled to have access to the provocative and insightful guests who take time out of their busy schedule uh, to join us each and every week. Back in 1865, uh, June 19th marked the day that African-American slaves received the notification that they were going to be free. Um, they had been free by President Lincoln through the Emancipation Proclamation, which he had actually signed two years earlier. And with that, uh, that day and that, that uh, announcement uh, was the, the representation that all slaves under the Confederacy would now be free. And June 19th had become and has become that day that African Americans uh, celebrate uh, as, a, as a Freedom Day, as a, a Liberation Day, a Jubilee Day. And, and now, after this past Juneteenth, so many uh, uh, folks have decided to say this is the Black Independence Day. We're not celebrating July 4th, which is coming up in the end of the week. We're celebrating June 19th as our Independence Day. Because quite frankly, if we look at July 4th and if we look at exactly uh, uh, how that comes about and, and what that embodies and, and, and uh, uh, suggests, it would say that, you know, hey, everything is great. Everything is beautiful. Black lives matter and we're all good. But the reality of it is that's not the case. The reality of it is that truly black folks are still suffering in America, have been for 400 years, continue to do so. And it didn't have to be 1865. It can be 2020. And we can still suffer the same carnage that we suffered then prior to the end of slavery, after the end of slavery, throughout Jim Crow, and up until the 60s um, through civil rights. And we're still suffering all the things that are happening. And so the, the idea of us creating or celebrating June 19th as our Independence Day, I love it. I'm all for it. I'm with it. I'll be there. I'll celebrate it and go with it. And I'll sit back and have a cigar on July 4th and just relax. I'm not putting up no flag. I'm not hanging out there doing anything else. Even though my daughter's in the military, I'll salute her and keep it moving and just that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, I'm with it, and if you're with it, let's go do it, and let's make it happen. Because looking back and looking at the, the idea of, of celebrating a country and a nation of Independence Day that's supposed to be independent, <clears throat> supposed to give us our independence, supposed to recognize us, we still don't even have that. We still haven't even been validated, quote, unquote, in the Constitution. They still want to keep the three-fifths compromise in there. They still want to call us three-fifths of a They still don't want to acknowledge it. And more and more, after we think back to George Floyd and what happened to him and how he galvanized this nation to actually recognize, understand, become more aware of Juneteenth and other things that are going on, it symbolizes exactly why Juneteenth uh, should be our Independence Day or should be recognized as it uh, collectively and wholeheartedly. And it's amazing how corporations now say, oh, we're going to give you Juneteenth off. We're going to give you Juneteenth off. We're going to celebrate that with you. We're going to give that to you all. That's never happened before. White folks didn't know about Juneteenth, didn't care about Juneteenth, and certainly weren't going to celebrate it until George Floyd, until rallies and protests in 50 states until white folks got into the streets with black folks and said, enough is enough. Until you even have it where you have old senior citizen white folks in places like Arizona and Florida and places like that saying black lives matter to other old white folks telling them, look, 
this is what's going on. So as we look at that and as we think about it, one of my guests tonight I'm proud to have and excited to have is someone from Tulsa, Oklahoma. As you know, last week I had Brandon on, and we talked about the Black Wall Street. We talked about Tulsa. We talked about the massacre uh, there in 1921, and we talked about exactly what has happened since and the rebuilding of that and then the, the separation of that and how continually white America continues to try of racism. And that's why I entitled it June to the end of slavery, but not racism. Because although slavery ended in 1865, racism surely did. And it's even gotten worse in some cases as we look at it now. Some would even say we're more segregated now than we were prior to um, uh, uh, the uh, the uh, change of, of laws and, and integration, uh, prior to integration, things of that nature. I mean, if you look at it, 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 quite frankly, they may be right. Our schools, our communities, you know, and, and clearly the way it's happening now, it's just a reflection of Jim Crow policies and the ugly past that's been left over. But I tell you today, I believe that black folks finally have decided enough is enough. As my grandmother would say, enough is enough and too much funk. And it's the time now for black folks to stand up, get out there, organize, and do what they need to do. My guest tonight is Ward 1 Tulsa City Council Member Vanessa Hall Harper. Council Member Harper is the vice chair of the council and the only African-American on the council. She earned her degree in political science and pre-law from Jackson State University. By trade, she's a program manager and she manages the health living program for the Department of Tulsa, for Tulsa Department of Health. She has also served as a counselor for the Tulsa County Juvenile Bureau and she is uh, actively involved across the, uh, across the uh, uh, city there in Tulsa doing great work and great things. Also joining me needs no introduction is my good friend and guest, Dr. Wormer Leon. He is the host of Inside the Issues with Wormer Leon on Sirius XM Radio and the former adjunct professor at Howard University. He's an author, public speaker, political science guru, and a friend of BPT and BPT Magazine. And you can read his next article or his latest article, A Moment of a Moment of a Movement, A Moment or a Movement, The Black, The Blowback Will Tell. Uh, in our July issue that will be dropping next week. I want to welcome them both to the show. Welcome to the show, uh, um, Council Member and uh, Dr. He- uh, Leon. How you guys doing? I'm great. I'm, I'm great. Good. Let me slow down right here and welcome uh, uh, Council Member Vanessa to the show. It's your first time on our broadcast, so I want to thank you for joining us and certainly taking time out to uh, share with us today your experiences and your uh, expertise from uh, from there in Tulsa and what's going on. So let me start with the pandemic because the last week when I uh, we wanted to try to get you on, we were going to talk to you about the pandemic and Black Wall Street and things of that nature. How's things happen? I know that uh, some of your OSU football players have been infected. What's happened with the pandemic? How are African Americans dealing and doing in Oklahoma? Um, I think uh, overall we're doing well. Um, Certainly have not been impacted uh, to the degree that other larger cities with larger uh, populations of uh, African Americans. Um, but I mean, we, we we certainly have our concerns. I mean, we are certainly looking at and considering policies 
on how we need to address this pandemic um, and 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 protect our communities. But uh, it's difficult when you live in a deep red state. And Oklahoma is the reddest of red states. And so uh, we have 77 counties, and every all 77 77 counties uh, vote red. And so uh, majority anyway. And so um, it's very difficult when you have your state leadership uh, is looking to to impress uh, the president. And so masks and those things are, are looked upon as uh, weakness or showing of weakness. I mean, it's, it's sad. It's ridiculous uh, because that's simply what he has said. He wants to appear strong even though our country is being uh, severely impacted. Uh, by this by this coronavirus, it's, it's not political. Uh, this is something that should politics should not be a, play a part in it, but unfortunately it is. And so I think uh, our local health department is doing a great job. And you know, yes, I work for them, but even still, <laughs> um, I think we are doing well as it relates to partnering with organizations, getting testing, and, and trying to make sure people are are treated and have the the accurate information that we need in order to stay safe. So, and talk about the, the, the issue of, of testing and getting information out, because one of the things that I've noticed is that I've, I've seen a, a lot of people uh, either resign or have been fired because they didn't want to put out the numbers the way um, either health officials, governors, or, or leaders wanted the numbers to read. They would uh, <laughs> say the mm-hmm. testing numbers were impacted by um, the, um, uh, the, the other testing numbers. Um, and I'm drawing a blank right now on the, uh, antibody, antibody testing. So they wanted to do the antibody testing as well as the testing for the positive, And they wanted to mix those numbers up so it wouldn't look as bad. Talk to me about that and how that affects the message that goes out to our community, especially, and what we believe and think is really happening out there. Yeah. I, I and again, and I'll, I'll say that, I get that. I, I hear that, and that's a concern. But we have our local leadership, Dr. Bruce Stark, who is the executive director of the Tulsa Health Department. He does not get into that. I, I'm serious. He he is a straight shooter. He comes to us with the facts, the accurate information, and we certainly appreciate that. He he says all the time, this is not a political issue. I'm, this is, this has nothing to do with politics. These are the facts, and this is what I have to do as as a servant of the community to keep our community safe. And so I think <clears throat> leadership matters, right? Leadership matters in, in, it does. in, in all those regards. But when it comes to the public health uh, uh, side um, and our information that we're getting out through the, the uh, uh, social media and websites and so forth that we have, we've done a good job at that. So if you need to get tested, you call the health department, and they will schedule an appointment and tell you where you need to go to get tested. Uh, and you will get those results. Um, and, and that's why, you know, they claim, President, when he came here, that that's why they came to Oklahoma, because you're doing it right. You're doing it. Well, we're doing it right because we have been, have been listening to our public health experts. Okay, so, again, we in Tulsa, we, I, I can't say that, that those are the same issues that we have faced. I know other communities have, but we haven't. We got out in front of this. Uh, our mayor early on in late March actually put an executive order in place well before our governor did. Other municipalities, our larger cities in, in, in Oklahoma, did the same thing. 
follow, following the leadership of, our, uh, of the mayor. They kind of almost simultaneously put these policies in place. And that's why our numbers were, were so good. Uh, and then the president comes in, and so now we all now are bracing for the aftermath of him bringing, uh, you know, he thought it was going to be a lot, but 6,200 people into a, a closed space. And so mm-hmm. we're bracing for that fight now, right? So we were certainly, I was certainly concerned that it would be a lot more, uh, but, but it was a flop, uh, I'm glad to, to say. And so, but there's still 6,200 people that can pot- potentially be affected. You may recall that five of his head administrators tested positive while they were here in Tulsa. Um, yeah, so right. we know that there was exposure. We know that there was exposure. And so we're bracing for that, uh, and we're just trying to, you know, get do all that we can from the health perspective, the health community, to prepare for that and, and get people quarantined and, and slow this spread. So last week, as I said, I had a good friend of mine on the show, Brandon Andrews, who's been to Tulsa a number of times and uh, mm-hmm. went to school there. Um, and we discussed the history of Black Wall Street and where Tulsa is today. Catch us up on the preparation for the Centennial Celebration uh, coming up next year and how the, because um, I know you're a member of the Chamber of Commerce there, how you guys are preparing, what do you, uh, what is the, what can we look forward to and how can more people get involved? Yeah, so, so there are multiple organizations that's planning for events surrounding the commemoration. Um, and so uh, some of which will be in partnership and, and some will not. But I think overall uh, we will do, uh, do good or justly when it comes to commemorating uh, what happened here. I just want to say that we have to remember what we're doing, why we're doing it, uh, and as we move forward for for equity and acknowledgement, we we have to have the discussion about reparations. Uh, and I'll just be perfectly honest with you: uh, there are those in the community that don't want to have that discussion, right? There are those that want to just sing kumbaya and and throw a little money at some events, you know, some festivals or some you know barbecues or something, and and then move on. And then once we get beyond this, then it's back to business as usual. Well, we're not about that. There's certainly a group that's not about that. Uh, We're about acknowledging not only what happened, but getting uh, reparations for that. That is going to set our community up, the black community in Tulsa, uh, for for generational wealth that, that was robbed for us, for opportunities for generational wealth that was robbed from us. And so uh, we are hope, uh, pushing the, the support of HR 40, uh, we are looking at other ways in which uh, we can receive reparations here that's owed by the city of Tulsa as well as the state of Oklahoma um, that will rebuild Black Wall Street. People come here and, and they look like this is it, and it's exactly, that's, that's exactly the case. This is it. So um, there are some things being done, um, which I'm not saying shouldn't be, but I'm also going to tell the whole story. There is most definitely a push to hurry up and get something done so that Tulsa won't look like the racist city that it is. Now, that's just the, the plain truth of the matter. Um, and so there are efforts underway to do that. There are monies being raised. Uh, you have corporations and philanthropic organizations that's, that's coming to the table to bring dollars so that we can build uh, a history center. 
um, and, and do some other activities in the community. And, again, I'm appreciative of it. I get it. And, and, and I'm not here just to, to be negative about that. But what I am saying is that these are the very things that we've been asking for for 30, 40, 50 years. And, mm-hmm. and the door was always shut in our face. And so I'm not, as, as, while I say we appreciate this and thank you, I'm also going to say that why now? And the question, that's a, that's a valid question, right? Why now? And the answer is, it's because we're coming up on the 100-year centennial, and we don't want to look like the racist city that we are. And mm-hmm. once we get through this, what are we, what, what's going to happen in 2022? What's going to happen mm-hmm. in 2023? That's where I'm, that's where my mind and my focus is. And the answer to that, as far as I'm concerned, is a plan, a consistent and perpetual plan for reparations in this community that's going to rebuild and establish our black entrepreneurial community. Those are the conversations I want to engage in. I don't really care about festivals and uh, parties. Yeah, I heard you say that the last time uh, during the during the, the uh, rallies there in Oklahoma last week. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 516-590-0143. That's 516-590-0143. Wilmer, uh, jump in here because you're very familiar with Black Wall Street. We talked about it on the show a number of times and um, and discussed the, the, the economic ramifications of that. Uh, uh, Vanessa talks about the reparations and HR 40 is back up again. Um, it still hasn't gotten a hearing yet um, or a vote. But uh, talk to me. Talk to me about that. I mean, from from your standpoint and from your viewpoint, have you know has anything really changed from the standpoint of Black folks how they've been treated economically in America and looking at the the idea of being paid reparations. I think we can look at a number of pieces of legislation that have passed in this country since the uh, mid-1950s through through the 70s, and we can see that legislatively uh, there has been progress made, whether it's the Voting Rights Act or the Fair Housing Act and the Employment Act and all those kinds of things. Uh, But we also know, for example, with the Voting Rights Act that the Supreme Court uh, reversed a number of the key elements of it, particularly Section 5, that basically gutted the Voting Rights Act. And so now we find ourselves back in the same position with uh, um, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, of, of, of lawfully registered voters, being removed from the voting rolls. Um, so, so many of the legislative uh, elements or uh, pieces of pieces of legislation that brought us legislative uh, progress have have been uh, uh, have been attacked and 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 taken away. And but what hasn't changed when you look at the numbers and the data it speaks volumes. When you when you look at the data in terms of um, the wealth gap. When you look at data in terms of mass incarceration, when you look at data in in terms of employment numbers, how much does an African American with a college degree make compared to a white person with a college degree? How much does a person with a well, an African American with a PhD make compared to a white person with a PhD? When you look at the data, when you look at the housing numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the data shows you, and this is not my opinion, the data shows you that no, uh, we have we have not made significant progress. And in fact, in many instances, we have gone backwards. And there is data to support the argument. I want to say by 2050, there'll be a negative wealth number. Now, that's a frightening thing to think about. That right now, it's a, I think it's a it's a um, uh, it depends on on what study you look at, but but it, it's safe to say uh, the average the, the the average wealth for a white family is we'll say one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and the average wealth for an African American family is thirteen thousand dollars. Correct. And that when you get to twenty fifty, we're going to be in the negative. Right. So, so no. Um, the data tells us that in terms of quality of life, in terms of quality of life, no, we have not made progress. And when we when we think about that, because um, I've heard um, both sides, I've heard folks say, "Well, we don't need reparations because the the ants, the the folks who are affected by it, um, they're no longer alive." But yet. Uh, we pay reparations to Native Americans. We pay reparations to Jewish folks. We pay Native, uh, reparations to Japanese folks. Everything that we've done to other folks, we pay reparations for, but Black folks. And as you said, uh, legislatively and politically, uh, it always seems to come back to hurt us economically. Uh, so, what? How do we move forward when this? And looking at how we are, how we uh, this country has invested in our communities, because they always want to come in and gentrify our communities and call that investment. But yet, whenever we're in there, it, it's it's never enough. Well, let me first say the number I just found. The number sixteen point seven million voters have been stricken from the rolls in the last four years. 16.7 million voters. So when you hear uh, even 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 um, uh, Michelle Obama uh, was on Netflix saying recently how disappointed she was that black people did not turn out and vote in the 2016 election. What she's not asking is why didn't they vote? And the answer isn't that they stayed home and slept through the election, it was 16.7 million of them tried to vote, but had been stricken from the rolls and were not allowed to vote, or they were given provisional ballots and those ballots weren't counted. I needed to be sure that that point was made. Now, to your question about reparations, um, we as a community first have to come to an understanding that reparations are owed. And we need Congressional Black Caucus, we need our legislators on the legislative side to champion that cause. We cannot be ashamed of being black. We cannot be ashamed of making the demands for what we are legally, lawfully, morally owed. Whether Amen. it's my grandfather, whether it's my oh thank you, whether it's my grandfather, <laughs> whether it was my great grandfather, whether it was my great great grandfather, the debt is owed, 
and the country needs to admit that. Now, the problem with it is one of the reasons why the country can't admit it is because America never wants to admit that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a domestic policy issue, whether it's a foreign policy issue, the country never wants to admit that it's wrong, and it never wants to admit that it's racist. And when you look at the founding documents of this country, we can go to six from 1619, the slave codes of Virginia, through the Constitution, through, we can pick a number of cases, whether it be Plessy v. Ferguson, we can pick a number of cases mm-hmm. that show that it was written into the documents, the founding documents of this country, and then it was codified in law by statute, and then it right. was upheld by the Supreme Court. Right. You can't argue that point unless you're, unless you're an utter fool. You just can't argue that point. So it, it, it really is. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it, it really if I, is. If I could jump in here just for a second. Please, please. I, I, 100% amen, hallelujah. When they say that, that it wasn't us that did that so we don't have to pay, I want, I want to always bring the point back to the generational wealth. But you mm-hmm. are benefiting today. Those exactly. heirs. Those right. heirs are set, are steadily benefiting today. So if the heirs can benefit from the racism, from the hate, from the destruction of our communities, then we damn sure can still get paid today for our ancestors who were slaves and who lost their lives and their property that, again, stole our generational wealth from the black community. And I just want to add that when I, I, I get so sick of people saying that, or even our legislators say those things, but yet you're still benefiting. So if you can benefit, then surely we can benefit as well as being ancestors uh, of, of, of being heirs of what was lost in the black community. Well, and, and final, that, final uh, point, go ahead. if I can add ahead, one more thing to that point, go ahead. And, and that is one of the things that happens in this conversation is, the question of are reparations owed quickly gets glossed over and people move over to what they consider to be the practicality or impracticality of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, we, can, we can't talk about the how unless we understand that it is. Once mm-hmm. you admit that it is, <laughs> then we can figure out the how. But don't deny the is because it seems to be, you know, at one point they said we couldn't get to the moon. Oh, that's impossible. Once they told us the world was flat. I think it was Magellan that proved that to be to be wrong. I think it was Magellan who proved that to be wrong. So Copernicus was 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 considered to be a heretic when he said that what? The, the the earth traveled around the sun. It wasn't the other way around. So don't tell me about it's not doable. You first need to admit that it's old. And there's a phenomenal book called The Half Has Never Been Told, written by Edward yeah. Baptist. That is a phenomenal piece of work because he documents 
down to the price of a bale of cotton, the value of a slave and the and the and the, and the contribution of that labor to our economy. Mm-hmm. The research has already been done. We don't need yeah. another commission to study a darn thing. And if it weren't your show, Kelly, I'd say something else. A darn thing. You can say thing. that on my show. Say it on my behalf well, because, you know, my listeners don't let me say it. <laughs> we don't need another. Tell, tell what's his name from, from South Carolina, Scott, Tim Scott. We oh, don't man. need another commission to study a darn thing. We know uh, the uh, answer. Yes, exactly. You you you're exactly I'm right. I'm when he when he when he put out that tweet, first of all, I saw him say that uh, after somebody asked him a question, why is is Trump flirting racism and 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 dividing the country? He had the audacity to say, well, I think he's bringing the country together. I was like, brother, please. So then he comes out with this tweet about uh, his his um, his a. Uh, uh, um, um, police brutality bill, and he said that um, well they wanted to stop it because of who was carrying the bill, who was stopping. So I, I followed up with his tweet and I said, actually Tim, we don't need to barter with somebody to compel them, pull money from them to compel them to stop killing us. Let's just stop them from killing us. Let's hold them accountable for it instead of you sitting here talking about we want to compel them. We're gonna hold money back from them. Well, if I cannot sue the man who's killing me or my family can't sue the man who's killing me, that's not going to compel them. They're not the agency. They don't care what money comes and what money goes. They're going to sit there and do what they want to do because they're still getting a paycheck. It doesn't matter. But we need to study a compelling offer. We have to, com- we have to compel the agencies and the police officers to stop killing. So what we're going to do is we're going to hold money back from them until they make some civil rights changes. Give me a damn break. You, and, and you're well, going to sit there and talk about and, and you're going right, and you're gonna sit there and tell me, oh well, I've been pulled over and I've had to deal with this. Well, if you've had to deal with it, and even as a state senator or a U.S. senator, he didn't well, have well. to deal with it like Eric Garner dealt with it. <laughs> right, exactly. He didn't have to deal or with George it Floyd. like Mr. Floyd dealt with it. Right, right, exactly. He didn't right. have to I deal mean, with it like Tamir Rice dealt with it. Or, or Philando Castile. Right, none of that. None but, of that. You none of that. Them, right. So come on now. Tim I mean, if you're, if you're gonna put some put together some legislation, put together some legislation and stop bitch and complaining about the fact that you didn't do what you were supposed to do because you wanted to go to Mitch McConnell and lick his behind. Let's do. Let's be real. Yeah, come about on. It. Okay, yeah. let's be real about it. So, so, um, council member, let me um, ask you because um, what 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 you what you were talking about in reparations, what what Wilmer was saying is that the, the reality of just recognizing where it is and coming together. And you talked about doing something there in Tulsa. I mean, you're in a deep red state. You're in a deep red state, red city, although you have a a large number of uh, African-Americans in the city. Um, How do you move that? I mean, is it something that we need to do on local level, state by state, city by city, to talk about reparations and bring it to the national level? Or is it something that can actually happen at the national level? Because like uh, Wilmer said, we only got 55 members of the Black Caucus, and you're going to mm-hmm. need 218 votes. And then you're going to need mm-hmm. uh, 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 63, 62 votes on the, on the Senate side, or 60 votes on the Senate side. How are we going to do that when clearly, unless we win in 2020 the Senate, well, we can actually get more Democratic members on that that will be compelled to do that, because even they are not guaranteed to vote for it. 
uh, how do we do this? Is it a local thing that you move forward, or is it something you got to push from the national level? Absolutely. So we, we have to have a multi-pronged approach to getting to where we want to be, obviously. So, and, of course, electing Democrats, particularly black Democrats, is going to benefit from that. So we need to really uh, be intentional about running for office and getting in these seats of power. Uh, but also, you know, I see reparations as kind of a twofold uh, for those cities, which we know there were about three dozen cities uh, who were, who, that were massacred, um, the Red, starting in the Red Summer of 1919. Um, I see reparations for specific communities uh, as one uh, area of justice, and then mm-hmm. reparations nationally as it relates to slavery. And so one of the things we're doing, we were planning and still will continue to do that, a, a conference here in our community in Tulsa to really answer that question, right? Because we talk about it locally. You know, people post it on their on social media, and then you hear and then you hear this question that comes up normally from white people. They say, "Well, what does reparations look like? Well, what does reparations look like?" Blah blah blah. Okay, so yes, valid question, and we are working uh, even in this COVID crisis to answer that question, so we can say these are the very things that we want to see from a local level that we believe are owed from our local governmental because uh, entities, because the city of Tulsa was complicit in the 1921 race massacre, as right. well as the state right. of Oklahoma was complicit right. in the 1920. There's no question about that, right? right? Our government was complicit. And so that's a conversation that needs to take place. And so, you know, there are, there, there are some communities, Evanston, I think, uh, in, in Illinois recently, um, and they couched it in the, the 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 conversation of reparations that there are a percentage, and I don't I want to get it wrong. I want to say like three percent or whatever uh, from from retail uh, from the cannabis industry uh, is going toward black entrepreneurship or the black community. And so I mean I think there's probably a number of ways we can look at that, depending on the community, depending on the city, depending on what we can actually put into place. Um, to address that, but we need to start, you know, having those conversations, not but more than the conversations, putting forth uh, proposals to say this is what we want to see. And so we are, we that's the state that we're in right now. We we are looking at ways in which we could, Rosewood, right in Florida, they right. uh, that community, they put forth a a, a reparations model uh, for what happened in Rosewood. And so I think all of these communities, uh, again, three dozen at least, um, that, that, that suffered these massacres, we need to have that conversation. And then, then, then certainly, secondly, uh, the national conversation about reparations for slavery and what that looks like. And, and just like the brother said, this, this, this ain't brand new. <laughs> we wake up and we talk, this stuff is not brand new. That's been, so Dr. Claude Anderson has done extensive studies on that and has written books about what reparations look like on the national level. We need to, we need to, we need to not do research. We need to read and, and start putting forth these proposals of what has already been, been set out. And so that's, that's where I am as a local elected official. As you said, I am the only African-American in my community. Uh, I think now in Tulsa we, had, we, are, we have the most progressive uh, elected body at the local level than we probably ever had in Tulsa. And so I'm, I'm that one that's going to always raise the question and, and, and demand this is what we're looking at uh, and we're requesting. And, and I'm going to stand there and say, I'm not leaving until we get it. 
Um, and then from a community standpoint, we need to demand and stay uh, alert uh, as far as politics are concerned. There are, there's a power structure that wants to survive, right? There's a power structure that wants to choose our leaders. We can't let popularity amongst uh, the power structure in any community de- determine who our leaders are. We need to continue to vote for those leaders that's going to stand on uh, the rights of, of our people and our community and say, this is what we want. And not, you know, we, we got a group, right? Everybody's community, oh, well, well she, she's divisive. She, she, she wants to divide. I don't want to divide nothing. I didn't, I didn't create slavery. Right, but I'm going to damn sure stand up and say this is what we want, this is what we demand, this is what we're owed. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, if you can pull up that that speech, he talked about we coming for our check. I want my check, and I'm not going to waver on that issue. We are owed, and I'm not going to stop demanding payment. And and Kelly, we just we just missed an opportunity. We just missed a golden opportunity to move the reparations movement forward. When was that opportunity? When John Clyburn stood on a podium in South Carolina and told us, we know Joe and Joe knows us. That was a perfect opportunity for John Clyburn to turn to turn to uh, uh, Joe Biden and say, where do you stand on? And he could have articulated two, three, five, ten, twenty, eleven hundred issues and said, before you leave this stage, if you want my endorsement, this is these are the questions you need to answer and answer them right now. That was that that was the opportunity. Amen. That was the opportunity. It was the opportunity. Right. But we but it ain't too late. We can still do that. Well, I was going to say, I was say shouldn't, shouldn't the opportunity have been that after the after that election occurred, then you then put him out there because you may have like if if you would have put him out there beforehand, white folks who decided they were going to vote wouldn't have voted and may not have pushed him. But once it got finished, like that's going to matter. Over, like that's going to matter. May not. I don't know. Is it? See, to me, no. I'm, I'm asking you. No. I'm asking you. No. I, no, I, I don't. I don't think. In, I don't think that matters anymore, because right. the time for us, the time for us, always be calculating and subtle. Yeah. Our politics has to mature. Mm-hmm. Let me. Okay. So let me. So our, our, this is to me Perfect. part of the problem. We our politics has to mature. Mm-hmm. The 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 days of our issues being subtle are long, long gone. If you want my vote, here's what I demand you Come on. answer. Come on. It's not that hard. All but, you know, a little but, you know the, but you know, but you know, you and I have talked about this how many times on the show? The, the Black Caucus is not going to do Every that. time I'm on. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The Black Caucus isn't going to do that. Now, I agree with you because then you and need I, a new I Black Caucus. talk about we talk about this all the time. Is that, and, and I'm I'm one that says, look, after a certain period, you need to be gone. You need to groom somebody to come behind you, and you need to have some fresh face in there, some fresh oil in there, to do exactly mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Is to push that forward. Um, but I, I I I hear you, and I 
And I agree with you. I just don't know that they would have done it. I don't think they would have done it. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right that the opportunity was lost. They didn't do it. And I think think even more so, it could have come up, even since it didn't come up then, it certainly should be coming up now and being pressed now, even with the COVID money and all these other monies going through. You need to be pushing it right now saying this is the time, especially after George Floyd and especially after 50 states and internationally have gone out there talking about Black Lives Matter. This is what's going on. This is what mm-hmm. you better do. Otherwise, you're going to have this food for another four years. If they come out and, and say it's that, being discussed, not only is it being discussed in the 50 states, it's being discussed on every continent on the exactly. globe, and exactly. it's being taken to the United Nations. Exactly. Amen. So, so at that point, and you need to be able to come out and say, if you don't, then you're going to see another four years of this food. So what do you want? There you go. What do you want? That's it. And and that's, that's what needs to happen from the from the from the party from the from the uh, state parties from every you need to let them know this was gonna happen. Now the sad thing about it is I would hate to see that another four years, but at the same time, by the same token, if you don't do something, then once again it will be just rolled over like you said until the next time, until the next and time, until you, the next. Let time. me ask you one. Let me ask you one simple question. How much worse or how much more worser is it going to be for us in the next four years than it has been over the last 400 years? Mm-hmm. Not that yeah. much more worser. From the doctor. From the doctor. Worser. From the doctor. Exactly. No, more worser. Right. More. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, and, and, and that's the truth. And that is true, the truth. And it's the scary truth, but it's a reality. Because yeah. when you look at it um, from, from, from what has already taken place, especially in this last three years, with 218 uh, uh, court justices, federal judges that are out there clearly uh, uh, um, uh, bowing to the to the to the uh, all hails to the king, <clears throat> doing everything and anything that he wants to do, from eliminating uh, uh, Michael Flynn and and everybody else doing all this other stuff, it's going to do the same thing, and and on the next cycle, and it will, like I said, it it, it be more worse, more worser, but it's going to be just the same thing from what we've had to deal with for the last 400 years. Council member, when you when you think about uh, uh, moving forward. How does your city, how does this nation move forward uh, politically? How do we move forward politically? Um, I think we we have to uh, combat as much as we possibly can uh, this voter suppression that we that's clearly that's clearly taking place. Like the doctor said, what sixteen point seven million? Uh, that's not that's not by accident. That is clearly by design. And so I literally, even as an elected official, I call a week ahead, I mean, to make sure that I am still registered, that I have not been purged, so that, when, so that my vote can count. We have to stay on top of those things. Even when you've been a voter for, and that has voted in elections consistently in the past, people are still showing up to the polls and say, hey, your name is not on this register. And so, again, that's by design. So we have to be ever uh, vigilant. In preparing for that, 
uh, as I said before, we need to make sure we are running for these officers and challenging and challenging uh, these so-called leaders that have been staying in these seats uh, for, for decades and, and clearly don't have a, a, an entrance or, or care whatsoever about the plight of, of, of our community, about the plight of, of quality of life and, and addressing wealth gaps and, and, and health gaps and, and so forth. So we, got, we, we have to fight. We, have to, we can't get comfortable. Um, and this is, as he said, our politics have matured in this country. We can do a lot more now than, than I would say that we were able to do five years ago or, or ten years ago. And we have, to, we, have to ride, we have to ride this wave in. We cannot let it dissipate. Um, I, I say that here on the local level as far as what we're doing here, but also nationally. We have to, uh, uh, you know, press the gas. You know, we have to press the gas and, and stay on top of what is happening in this country if we expect uh, to see justice and equality. People don't do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> that is not the American way. Uh, that the, the American way is the very opposite. Um, it's all about power and, and maintaining control by white people in this country. Um, our policies show that. We, we turn around. We make laws. That, that, that benefit certain populations, certain groups of people. Uh, and so there is a fear. Our population that, has, that is expanding, that we're becoming a more diverse community. That's scaring the hell out of people, white people. That's scaring the hell out of them. And so they're doing uh, all that they can policy-wise. You've got these crazy uh, white middle-aged men going in shooting up places. They're doing all they can at every level to maintain power. That's ultimately what we're talking about, maintain power, political power, social power, economic power. They, that, that is what is, is scaring the hell out of uh, white people in this country today. And so we have to, as, as, a, as a nation, as, a, a, as black people uh, and, and others for that matter, but certainly as black people, we have to make, uh, state our claims, state our demands, and not waver for them. We have to elect our politicians that's going to put forth uh, uh, policies and practices that, that are going to benefit us. That, there's no question about that, and, and that, that's across the board. It doesn't matter if it's on the school board, the, the, the city council board, the county commission level, our state representatives of our federal level. We have to make sure that we are make, putting people in place and supporting them, right, not just voting, supporting them even financially. We, we have to make that investment if we truly expect to see uh, a difference uh, take place in this community. Because if it's not, the status quo is going to be maintained. The status quo is going to be maintained. And, so, and Wilmer, that's why I sir, exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, and and I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, I, um, okay. when she's talking about power and she's talking about the, 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 uh, the control, it, it brings me yep. to your article, A Moment, or a movement and how you talked about Chauvin and his, his arrogant power of, of putting his knee on uh, George Floyd's neck and doing so in broad mm-hmm. daylight, even though he's being videotaped, even though yeah. everyone can see him, it was still that I don't really care. I don't give a damn. I'm doing what I want to do and I'm going to do it. It's nothing you can do about it type of power and yeah. it's something that she's talking about as well. Uh, and it, and it, the, the social, the economic and the political. Talk to us about your article and, and what you were referencing in that, because you talked about 
um, 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 Reverend Al Sharpton's uh, statement about uh, an American criminal justice malfunction, but you're saying it wasn't a malfunction. Uh, it, it, it was a, you know, it was an act. It was a fact. The, uh, the, the, the point of the article is, is this a moment or a movement? And I have, you know, that's not a phrase I coined. Uh, the blowback will tell. There are a couple of things here. One is Reverend Sharpton said in the first eulogy in Minnesota that what we saw play out in the street in Minneapolis was a criminal justice system. Uh, now I forgot the word he used. What, what, what did I say? Gone. Uh, um, a, a malfunction. Um, I malfunction. can't remember the full comment. Right. right. No, that's it. That's it. That it's a criminal justice okay. system malfunction. No, Reverend Sharpton. The system was operating as the system was designed to operate. And again, I go back to 1619 in the Virginia Slave Codes, and I come all the way through to, to the current time. The system was, has been designed to do this. That's why police unions are protesting every time an officer gets charged or convicted the police union is protesting. Why? Yep. Because yep. they're saying the system is not working as they to work. And again, <clears throat> this isn't my opinion. This is what the data says. The data says when you understand the history of policing in this country and you understand that uh, particularly in the South, that and also even in Los Angeles, the LAPD um, came out of, and I know you know that, came out yeah. of slave patrols. Well, slave Hello. patrols were codified in the Constitution with what? Article mm-hmm. 2, Section 1, the Fugitive Slave Provision. Right. So it's in the very basis of this country, Reverend Sharpton. You're giving America a pass when you say that the system ran amok. No, the system did what it was designed to do. (laughs) And one of the things that Chauvin was doing to Mr. Floyd, it, it really had nothing to do with George Floyd. It had more to do with Chauvin as a element of the state demonstrating his state power to the community, this will be you too if you don't kneel and bow and do what mm-hmm. I tell you to do when and I bow. tell you to do it. Right. Chauvin is sitting Chauvin is sitting in print in jail right now scratching his head saying, What the hell did I do wrong? <laughs> Wait a minute. When did this become illegal? Mm-hmm. I didn't get the memo. This isn't fair. Nobody told me that morning that I couldn't go out and kill somebody if I wanted to, a a black Mm -hmm. man in the street if I wanted to. Nobody Mm -hmm. told me that. So this is is America being America. And that's what folks have to come to grips with. It's like telling somebody with an ugly baby that their baby is ugly. There are some ugly babies in the world. And you hey, guys, hey, you know what? Uh, no, that's, that baby ain't cute. Sometimes you got to tell them, you know, sometimes 
what you gotta tell them. <laughs> America is an ugly baby, and you, and, yeah, and you, you know just what gotta you, tell. You bring me to you bring me to um um oh God I can't think of his name Pastor uh, Obama's former pastor when he said Goddamn America you've been dropping bombs right. over there and how they came after him. He's like, no, no, no. You can't come after me because I'm only telling you the truth about what America is. Come on. And they and they only and then they came after Obama, uh, Michelle when she said this is the first time in my lifetime where I felt like She's America been a was proud actually, to be an American. Right. Is actually yeah. proud. Oh my God! How can you say something like that? Well, because you white folks. Hey, let me make let me make one more. So let me make one quick point. Let me make one quick point about the Go reparations ahead. issue, because a lot of people will call or write and say. It's impractical, and how can you say this? And no, uh, uh, Clyburn should not have said that. Well, let me tell you what. The the LGBTQ community got an African-American president to stand before the American people and say, I believe in gay marriage. Latino community got the deporter-in-chief to back the DREAM Act. Folks. The That's only right. way you get it is to demand it. Demand it. That's the only That's way right. it happens. And and we yeah, have to demand it, make it so. collectively with the power and with the money behind it. Like the uh, like Vanessa said, you got to put some money behind it and not just keep sitting there putting lip service behind it. But we have to go out there and actually make people do what we want to do. But you also yeah. have to identify this too, Wilmer, is that the LBGTQ community, they have been uh, organizing, they have been lobbying, they have been active um, advocating since what, at least 1980 that I know of um, at the very earliest and probably before then, but really um, I think it was 80s, some point in the mid-80s after the uh, AIDS and HIV ep- epidemic came out, whenever that was, that's when they started um, moving forward. And then you look at uh, um, uh, now, you look at uh, the Jewish community, you look at all these communities have lobbyists and have an organization that's putting money behind it and pushing for change, and, and they're getting everything they want. They're getting Supreme Court justices. They're getting everything yep. that they want to have um, in every aspect that they want to have it, whereas we sitting back saying we're going to vote, but we don't put no money behind our, mo- our votes, and we Come don't on. put anything collectively behind making sure that people who we do elect we hold accountable not only just uh, uh, legislatively, but economically and, and socially. We don't do that. Yes, and it, and it's, it's one of those that we, we've talked about on this show a hundred times. And we still, every time I try to get a collective group of brothers or sisters or somebody together, say, well, let's create a lobbying firm or a lobbying apparatus. Oh, okay. Yep. And then nothing else happens. And it's like, okay. look, if we don't get up there and lobby this, we're not going to get anything we want. We're not going to get what nothing. we want. Dr. Cornell uh, West. Excuse me, Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Claude Anderson said we need to buy our politicians. And, and he just said it outright. We need to buy our politicians. And that's, that's the truth. What it is. And it's done through political I mean, action committee. It's right. It's done through a political action committee, and that's the way you do it. What's at stake for us, um, uh, Councilman Vanessa? The stake. I'm sorry, say that again. I said, what's at stake for us? What's at stake for us uh, as we look forward to, you know, the next, the next, the next phase, the next election, the next century, the next year? What's at stake for Black America? Our very lives are at stake. We see that in 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 police corruption throughout this country. 
And 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 just like the brother said, you know, he that man put his neck on his, uh, knee on his uh, uh, brother Floyd's neck. He knew he was killing him, and he stood there and looked at the camera and said, "Yeah, this is this is this is the America that I want, and this is the America that he him and others have gotten away with." And so we can't let this opportunity pass us by, because now you don't even outraged white folk, <laughs> okay? When you look at these riots and all this stuff that's been going on here lately, these protests and stuff, this white folks. And so now it's exactly. there's an awakening that's taking place. I call a revolution. We, we, we are experiencing and witnessing a revolution right now, and we need to take advantage of it because the eyes of the world are on us. And so, hey, we got we to gotta get, get ready, get right, and make sure that we are putting platforms in place, the organizations in place, political action committees and so forth, in order to make sure – that we uh, we just don't let this 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 opportunity <clears throat> dissipate and pass by, and then we look three, four, five years down the line, and then nothing has happened, right? You got mayors and governors calling for calm and all this kind of stuff, and if we don't get what we need legislatively by this country, we need to get right back out there and protest. It's called revolution. It's called revolution, and I'm reminded of a quote by Dr. Cornel West: "If your success is defined as being well adjusted to injustice." and well adapted to indifference, then we don't want successful leaders. We want great leaders who love the people enough and respect the people enough to be unbought, unbound, unafraid, and unintimidated to tell the truth. We got to tell the truth. And that video told the truth of America. And so, and, and, and America is ugly. It always has been. It was founded on hate and ugliness. And so now, if there's, there's, I think there's a generation that's rising up to say, no, we want to change that. And they got to do a lot of damn work to get it done, too. And I'm going to be the right sitting around. We want our check. We want what we deserve because we built this country. Black people built this country. And there are those that hate to hear that, but, the, hey, the truth hurts sometimes. So everything is at stake. Our very lives are at stake. I say it each week, Wilmer. I say it each week. What's it Amen. for us? <laughs> well, uh, I can't. I can't. Uh, all I can say to uh, Sister Vanessa is, is "Amen," and I can't <laughs> add anything to that. What I will say is, as we move to the Fourth of July, and folks, as you work on your getting your uh, menus good and your cookout correct, get your mind right. <laughs> right. Come and on. Read. Frederick Douglass's speech, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July? You should have a conversation at your cookout. If you're all woke and all of that, you need to have a conversation at the cookout about this speech where he says, and I'm only going to read two things, oppression makes a wise man mad, and there is not a man beneath the canopy of heaven that does not know that slavery is wrong for him. Mm. Read Frederick mm. Douglass, folks. Oh, hold on one second, Wilmer. Uh, I got, I got, a, I got a caller here. Um, hold on one second. Let me, let me take this call, and and then uh, we'll we'll close out the show. Okay. Hello, caller. Go right ahead. I would just ask some question. On Lincoln's proclamation to states that has seceded from the Union, how effective was it? 
depends yeah, on how I'm you not, define not, effective. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how you how you asking ended, that question. It ended, it ended the war. It, it it brought an it brought an end to the war, which was Lincoln's objective. Lincoln's objective was not ending slavery, and right, a his, lot of his objective people, was to save the union. But those yeah, states so, voted to those states voted to enter the union, and they voted to leave the union. So, so I was what, wondering, what's your point? What was his? Right. Yeah, right, well, what I'm what's, the, what's the well, point? I'm just trying to say that it really was it is really was it a valid proclamation? He he couldn't end slavery in in areas that he didn't have control over. And <clears throat> to show you the similarity with the Mexican American War. You had Americans that go down, go to to be invited into the Mexican t- uh, territory of uh, Texas, or became Texas, and they voted to secede from Mexico and join on to you know to become American. But all that history is great, but I don't understand the point. And if you wait a minute, wait a minute, and the only other thing I could really tell you at the, in, in 2020. Is that if you got an issue with the Emancipation Proclamation, you need to call Abraham Lincoln. No, I, well, we don't have to call. We can read what he said. You know, uh, Jerome Bennett done a very good uh, piece Lerone on him. Bennett, uh, not Lerone Bennett. Lerone, Lerone Bennett. Lerone Bennett. Lerone Bennett. Lerone Bennett. Yeah, I mm-hmm. said Lerone. Okay. Yeah. So what I was just saying is that being the fact that those states had succeeded from the union and voted not to be part of, he had no control of. But I just wanted to find out some clarity on it. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, Wilmer. Uh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I love my brother. I appreciate him listening to the show and calling every now and then. Absolutely. He does call in. I appreciate him I greatly. Didn't get the point. Right. Okay. I appreciate him greatly. Um, so you said uh, you're telling everybody to read uh, Frederick Douglass for Fourth of July. Yes. And what to, to the uh, Negroes of Fourth of July? It's incredibly relevant, especially where where we are right now, uh, and, and and today it is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly relevant. You know, a lot of folks keep trying to figure out what to do. They already been written. It's, it's already right, there. Right. Amen. Right. You know, read read the read the read the get read the, the proclamation from the Gary uh convention in nineteen seventy four, I think it was. Read the Gary Convention proclamation. The the answers are already there. You just got to go read them, and then. But but, the but, but, it's, it, but it's but it's more than that, Wilmer. And we talk about it's more than that. Collectively, unfortunately, we don't move in the same direction. I mean, we have we and have we never black will. folks in here, right? And 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 it's one of those things. You have black folks in here saying, "Well, I don't need reparations. I don't want reparations because my grandfather's dead." It's not about what you want or what you need. It's about the principle right. or the fact that. If and when America did something wrong to every other nationality or race, they did something Come about on. it. They didn't do anything about yep. it for us because but, they brought us Kelly, over here for our own for their own purpose. The yeah. per, the person that tells you that is also subtly <clears throat> telling you about their politics. They're telling oh, yeah. you <laughs> that oh, yeah. they that they are caught up in the 
individualism. Individualism, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. They are caught right. up in the in the individualism of conservative politics. I'm not even going right. to put a party on it. They're right. caught up mm-hmm. in the conservatism of uh, the politics of conservatism, which is all about what benefiting right. the individual. Right. Mm-hmm. Our right. progress has always come from those who understand the power of the collective. Yeah. Read, right. read, read Frederick Douglass's speech. It's about the power of the collective. Right. It's he's not speaking as an individual. He's telling all of those folks that brought him before them to make that speech. He says, "What does he say to them? This holiday is not mine. It's yours. Yours. You all are yeah. celebrating this because yours. you all are free." We are not. Right. Come on. He says it's the birthday of your national independence and of your political freedom. This to you is what the Passover was to the emancipated people of God. He doesn't say, I'm not free. He says, we're not free. We're not free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not, and, and Dr. King wrote about that in, in, in Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos or Community. He wrote about mm-hmm. it in the letter from Birmingham Jail about yeah, the power right. of the collective. Mm-hmm. So to that person that says, well, I don't need reparations, fine, I'll take your check. Exactly, exactly. I'll take it. I'm <laughs> happy to take it. Yeah, I, I got it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, well, I'll, find, well, I'll find something to do with it. You don't need yeah. it? Cool. <laughs> Give it to me. Brother. I mean, even this year, even this Roman. year, right? Women, women, women uh, uh, celebrated voting rights, and I had to, I had to remind some of my good white female friends, I'm not celebrating 1920 as voting rights because y'all got the right to vote. They, right, they got exactly. <laughs> you know, and and and, and got know, it on our back. Said, you know what? You right. They did. We didn't. They did. They they yeah, got I it as a result of us. I ain't going to them, them parties. I didn't get the right to vote in 1920. <laughs> Because so even Frederick it. Douglass, even Frederick Douglass got disenchanted with the with the suffrage movement because he felt they were playing him. Yeah, they did. I'm trying to remember <laughs> the name of the woman, um, Susan. B, was it was it Susan B. Anthony? Yeah, all of them. I think that was that I, was I the leader she, she, of the suffrage movement. She, yeah. Yeah. And she I was, just I just, I just was did friend, a show on this not too long ago. She was uh, friends with Frederick Douglass and. Mm-hmm. And Frederick yeah. Douglass was saying, "Hold up, Sue. <laughs> it ain't about you." Right. Yeah. That that was the whole movement. I think, movement. It, was Susan I think it, was it was the whole movement. Well, I want to thank yeah. you, uh, Council Member. Uh, thank you, Vanessa, for uh, joining us tonight. And I'm certainly going to be reaching out to you again in the future to have you back on uh, for a myriad of, okay. of, of shows that we have. Uh, and of course, Wilmer, I appreciate you, my brother, and I thank you for joining us again tonight. And uh, just educate us again, as you always do. I, I keep telling you that you're the historian of the show, man. I keep telling you that you can say what you want. Already. Okay, you can say well, what you want. Well, then you need to you need to do a better show. <laughs> well, I'm trying. That's why I keep calling you. I'm trying, brother. I'm trying. Okay. You too, political. You need science, to get out more. Right? <laughs> I can't. COVID got me locked down. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay. All right. All right, y'all. Comment. Absolutely, absolutely. Go right ahead. Yeah, I, I just want I just want to 
acknowledge, honor the memories of and say the names of Terrence Crutcher, Joshua Beret, Joshua Harvey, and Eric Harris. Those are black men, black men who lost their lives at the hands of law enforcement, who were killed by law enforcement. And so I just wanted to take a second or two to acknowledge that. Uh, and uh, and bring this back home to why we're doing what we're doing, as you said. What's at stake? Our very lives. Our very lives are at stake. So we have to continue to do this work uh, with with all with all diligence. And so I appreciate this opportunity. It was a pleasure, and I look forward to coming on again. Absolutely. And as I and, tell, and Kelly, go ahead, woman. To to that point, any piece of legislation that deals with so-called police reform that does not abolish qualified immunity is a waste of Come time. On. Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. And that's, and that's what makes it so uh, ridiculous that, that Tim would sit there and argue and cry about his Thank bill you. not passing or getting off the floor when Thank he doesn't you. even address qualified immunity. He talks about we'll take a look at it and study it. You don't need to study something. In the, name, in the, in the name of that brilliant African-American philosopher, James Brown, you're talking loud and saying nothing. Saying <laughs> nothing. I love it. Black America, I've told you time and time again, it is exactly what we say each and every week. What's at stake for you and your family? You have to identify and understand it. But more importantly, you got to get involved. You got to get off your behind. Stop sitting on the sofa and sitting back there pointing your finger talking about everybody else and looking at everybody else. You got to get out and do yeah. something about it. And if we don't do something come November, Third, in this country, doing something, meaning move forward, get rid of what we already have, get rid of the, the – we're not going to get rid of racism, but we can get rid of the racist person that we have right now. You can't get rid of the, the, the institution of it just yet, but we got to move forward piece by piece and do something about it. And like Vanessa said, we have to do it collectively. We got to put money behind it. We got to put votes behind it. Yes. And we got to put policy behind it. And as Wilmer said, we have to demand it. No longer sitting back waiting for something to be given to us. We have to go out there by any means necessary and take it. And if we don't take it, we will get took. As we, as we say, if you don't get it, they're going to get it from you. So one way or another, we have to get out there and do it. Take a look and make sure you subscribe to Black Politics Today magazine and check out uh, Wilmer's uh, article, A Moment or a Movement, as well as other uh, articles that we have uh, in this issue, July issue of Black Politics Today, which will be on your, which will be available to you uh, next week. Next week, uh, first week of July, you'll have Black Politics Today out on there. So certainly go to our website, Black Politics Today. Dot com and subscribe to our annual uh, subscription. And uh, Vanessa, we're going to have to get you as a contributor as well, since you're a professor over at the uh, 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 school of, uh, in Tulsa there. Uh, we have to get you out here and also have you write and tell people exactly what's at stake for them and their families. But until then, All right. if it's social, economic, or political, it's Black Politics Day. Until next week, uh, certainly do not go out there, as, as Wilma said, get Frederick Douglass, read it over the 4th of July weekend, and uh, read that as opposed to going out there throwing your fireworks up and popping firecrackers and thinking it's your independence. Yours was on June 19th. This ain't yours. Until then. Thank you for listening to Black Politics Today, an eye for what's at stake in global politics with your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Join us live each Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Until next time, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and download us on iTunes.
at Black Politics Today.